we have a huge conversation set up for you. It's going to be a conversation with John Craner. He's on the line right now. He's in Stewart, Florida. John started with Equitable in 1968, became a district manager in 1970. Two years, 1972, the number one district manager in the United States. He led the Cranert Agency for 25 years, winning 14 national campaigns. He promoted eight district managers into branch management. He hired Ted Beal Sr. and was crucial in the formation of the RBG, putting Ted and John DeLiso together. My mentor, Ed Feynman, referred to John Craner as the finest leader pound for pound in all of Equitable. John, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Jim, for inviting me. Now, it was legendary. You had some unique interview techniques, scalable and immediately implementable. Can you share what you used to look for in a candidate? Okay, well, when my receptionist told me I had a potential agent out there, I go meet him in the reception area, and then I take him to our conference room, and I call it my fast walk test. I walk real fast to the conference room. It was about maybe, uh, you know, 40 feet. And I looked behind if, if the fellow was, uh, or the lady was, uh, you know, still back at the reception area, that was not good. Halfway was better and close was real good. Uh, then we went in. I was interviewed in the morning. I sat them on the side of the table because I wanted the sun to be in their eyes. I wanted to see how long it would take them to ask me if they could close the shades so the sun wasn't in, the, in their eyes. I called it my mazooks. I wanted to see what kind of heart, drive, goals, and desire they had. And then uh, I asked them if they knew what commitment meant. And they said, yes, we do. And I say, uh, well, let me tell you what I mean by commitment. And we had a 400-pound uh, Mako shark hanging on our conference room wall with its mouth open and blood dripping. And I would stand in my uniform, which was a red tie, a white shirt, and a blue suit, and I'd wave my arm, which had a stump on it because I was born with no right hand, and I'd wave the, the jacket sleeve in the air, and I'd say, you see that shark up there? And they'd say, yes. I said, he lost. That's commitment. And uh, I would get their attention with that one, Jim, I'll tell you. Yes. Well, you, you were looking for someone that, I, as I recall it being story, uh, told, it was somebody that drove fast, somebody that bit their fingernails, somebody that moved fast. They took control of their situation with the sunshine test, and they were prepared to make a commitment. You hired Ted Beal Sr. And... Um, we think today about the RBG, a thousand advisors and a million clients, but you were there literally for day one and you put Ted and John together. Can you talk about the earliest days, what you saw and what that was like? Well, Teddy Beals referred to me by a retired officer of the Equitable who's a neighbor of Teddy's. Teddy was a school teacher, a coach and athletic director at Neptune High School. Papers. When he left Neptune and joined us, uh, and John DeLiso, he was in the pension department in the office, 
and join our regional office as a director of advanced underwriting. I talked to him at a regional meeting about joining us, and he did. Teddy and John became friends and worked together. Teddy talked about selling TSAs in Jersey school districts to teachers, and they did. There were no equitable TSAs in Jersey, and Teddy and John did a great job. I made them district managers, and they built a great district and took over the New Jersey school and New Jersey schools selling them tax-sheltered annuities. Uh, and they did such a great job. Uh, some of the old guard members asked me about their system, and we went to a number of agencies throughout the country and taught them their system, and that was the beginning of the RBG. It wasn't immediately embraced. As you and I were chatting about it, I recall there being concerns about the model. They weren't moving enough of a specific type of solution. And you steamrolled and created an opportunity for them. Absolutely. Yeah, they were. They, uh, one of the officers was concerned about not selling life insurance. And I told him that uh, in order to sell anything, you have to have a client. And I said, Teddy and John and their district are, are getting hundreds of clients, and the life insurance will follow. But if you don't have a client to start with, you can't sell them anything. Well, today we've got a, a million teachers as clients, John, and that's a demonstration of a scalable model and the impact that can happen over time. Pretty astounding. Speaking of adversity, can you share some of your personal experience growing up with adversity? I'm sure you had many. Uh, yes, I can, Jim. Growing up as a kid, because I was born with one arm, I'd have a fight maybe once a week because somebody would call me cripple or stumpy or freak. And that was back in the 40s. So there was a lot up by the school where we'd go and classmates would form a ring around us, and I would get in a fight with the guy me that and I would show him my stump he'd look at it and I hit him with my left hand and if he didn't quit I hit him again and again and he went down or he ran and the fight was over I never lost a fight in all the fights I had growing up in addition to that I tried out for the ninth grade football team and the coach at that time was an English teacher who was taking on the coaching duties at an, as an extra activity. He's a pompous guy who, for one reason or another, decided that, that me did not have the physical capability to play ninth grade football, and he would not give me a uniform. This was really heartbreaking for me, Jim, because all the boys who received uniforms that were kids that I had played ball with in grade school. So day after day, I went to the football field, stood against the fence, and watched practice. And one day, the varsity coach came by and asked me why I didn't go out for the team. I told him I did, but the coach decided I didn't have the physical capability to play. The varsity coach said, follow me, put me on the team, and I not only played on a ninth grade team, but three years on a high school varsity football team and three years on a varsity basketball team and continued on to college on an athletic scholarship. 
What I learned, though, in life, as in business, people tend to make decisions would affect us if we allow them to. The reason is I went out to practice every day because I was determined that if I didn't make the team that year, I was going to make it the next year. I was going to watch practice so I know the plays and what was going on. I had a goal, Jim, and my goal was an obsession. I saw myself not only as the best player, but as a, as a leader of the team, and nobody was going to stop me from doing that. Unfortunately, there were many boys who went out for football who accepted being cut or who quit because the price to play was too high, and a price has to be paid, whether on a high school football team or as a financial professional or manager in the field, if we're going to achieve success. I'm feeling flashbacks in early in my career as a manager. When we would go to our meetings, I would look at the agenda, and I would hope that your name was there. And within five or 10 minutes of you presenting, every one of us felt like we could go through a wall and you're doing it again. Um, I wonder from your perspective, if you could share your view on the core elements of success. You appointed eight DMs to become branch managers. So you've seen patterns. What is it from your perspective? Leading by example. In other words, my uniform was red, white, and blue. I wore a red tie, a white shirt, and a blue suit. The parking in our agency, when I, we had uh, reserved parking places, two of them, which I left for my, my secretaries and staff people, and I parked out by the entrance to our office building. <clears throat> so my agents and managers, when they came in, they knew I was there, and they knew when they left, whether I was there or not. And uh, we also, in, in the agency, had an open door policy. What I mean by that is that my door to my office was open, and my agents and managers wanted to see me. They just came through the door and saw me, and we met. And if my door was closed, the only reason it would be closed because I was talking to a, another agent or manager or somebody in the home office. So if they were there, when I came out, my secretary was telling me, and I walked through the agency because people, like, work for two things, money and recognition. So I'd walk through the agency talking to staff people, talking to agents, until I got to the manager's or the agent's office, and I spoke to him. And uh, I think it's very, very important to recognize people, and at least twice a day, I'd walk through the agency talking to people, see how they were doing. And if they had any problems, I'd try to take care of it right then and there with the district manager. If it was a district manager, I took care of his problem. And, uh, again, leadership by example. The leaders set the example, and the rest follow if we set a great example. And we did our best to do that in our agency and in our company. In your 42-year career, John, you think about the impact that you had, it's immeasurable. The impact bringing Ted Beal Sr. in, cultivating the relationship between Ted and John, spearheading the, the growth, the establishment and the growth of the RBG, appointing eight DMs as EVPs, running your branch for 25 years. When you reflect back on your career, and the impact that you had, what are you most proud of? 
What I'm most proud of is how successful my agents and managers were and my staff people and our company. And the love of our agency and our company, they were like family to me and my wife, Diane, and we treat them like family, and they treated us like family. Many agency managers, wives, when we go to meetings, they always came to the old guard meeting, and my wife, Diane, became very friendly with many wives, and it was like a family when we all got together. And many times they brought children with them also. So what I'm most proud of is the success of my agents, managers, staff people, other agency managers, and our company. It's also got to make you feel unbelievably proud, the impact, the multi-generational leadership that you have in your family. Mike Canton and Joe Giles. I've got to believe Absolutely. that makes you incredibly proud. I'm very proud. proud of that. And uh, Joe Giles' father also uh, is very successful yeah. in our business. I wonder what advice you would give to today's leaders. Clearly, we're all facing challenges, 11 months into COVID, disruption. What, would, what guidance would you give today's leaders, whether they're district managers, EVPs, or PDMs, people that have tuned in today, or BOMs, people that may have raised their hand and said, I want to lead? What advice would you give them? Well, one thing I know this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I think that's important. I'd like to talk to you all about what I consider is the greatest trait a human being can have. Unfortunately, this trait has been eroded in both American business life and more unfortunately in American personal life. To me, this trait exhibited by an individual or a company is the greatest compliment of all. And that trait is loyalty. Loyalty to our customer, loyalty to Equitable, loyalty to our agencies, loyalty to each other, and loyalty to our country. We owe responsibility to those people who have brought our company to where it is today. If we fail to live up to our obligations, we fail not only the ones who follow us, but we fail the ones in whose footsteps we now tread. We fail a legacy that's been handed down from individual to individual. We fail a loyalty that goes far beyond the norm of people working together. Loyalty is a trait that transcends personal ego. Loyalty is a trait that transcends personal gain. Loyalty to a cause goes far beyond all else. And loyalty to each other is a trait beyond compare. And loyalty causes great things to happen by small groups of people. And loyalty is what made this country and our company great. Our country and our company gives us the opportunity. But we, you and I, agents, managers, staff, have to make the commitment. If we do, we can reach our highest goals and achieve our greatest dreams. John, it's, it's a throwback. It's a flashback. Thank you. Loyalty is a decision, isn't it? It's, it's something that you decide you will deliver, and, and when you do, it creates strength. Thank you for sharing your leadership principles. Stay safe and well, and I wish you all great luck and great time with our great equitable. Talk to you. Thank you, John.